It is really good to see you all, and it was very cold for the last you know, two weeks. But now so we have a really good day. We are outside, and I would like to go out and then enjoy the sunlight. This is my choice I will make you know, this afternoon. Jean-Paul Chartres, the French philosopher, said, Life is C between B and D. It means life is choice between birth and death. In fact, you know, we live with many choices in our daily lives. What classes do I have to take next semester? And what clothes do I have to wear on a date? Even what should I eat for lunch after this chapel? This morning, I asked myself what outfit I should wear today for the chapel. Most daily, the choices are simple and recurring, but some choices are very important. They impact us significantly for years, sometimes for a lifetime. This morning, we will look at a man who made a significant choice. Let's open the Bible. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through the 13. Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Now he was also saying to the disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and this steward was reported to him as a squandering his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be stored. And the steward said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the stewardship away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to dig back. I know the what I shall do, so that when I'm removed from the stewardship, they will receive me into their homes. And he summoned the each one of his master's debtors, and he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. And his master praised the unrighteous steward because he had acted shrewdly. For the sons of this age are more shrewd in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the mammon of unrighteousness. Then when it fall, fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. 
<clears throat> if therefore the you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous mammon who will entrust the true riches to you, and if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Today's passage is a parable that Jesus told in many parables. There are three main characteristics of the Jesus parables. The most important is that they are deeply related to the real lives of real people who lived at the time. Many of them are related to their audience's agricultural background, and almost 40% of the Jesus parables are related to money matters. Then and now, money matters are very important. Especially to interpret today's parable properly, we have to understand the ancient economic system. The second characteristic is the parables hold deep eschatological truth about the kingdom of God under their surface. The parable of the remarkable growth of the mustard seed symbolizes the powerful expansion of the kingdom of God. The third characteristic of the parables includes many literary elements, such as irony, reversal, dilemma, symbolism, allegory, metaphor, satire, and so on. So all the audiences listening to Jesus' parable were surprised but enjoying. Today's parable is a well-known but very difficult passage. Some sayings in this text are not easily to understand. Jesus told us to be the light and salt of the world, but it does not seem logical the master the praise the unrighteous steward for his shrewd behavior. Also, verse 9, a sentence, make a friends with the money of unrighteousness, does not go well with the ethical sayings of Jesus in the New Testament. To interpret this parable, we need to find first who the original audiences were. Verse 1 that said to his disciples, verse 14 says, the Pharisees were lovers of money. And if you look further at the previous chapter, Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, we know that the audiences in Luke chapter 15 and then Luke chapter 16 are the same. The audiences were the Jesus disciples and then Pharisees and scribes and the crowd, including the tax collectors and sinners. It means there is a thematic continuity between Luke chapter 15 and 16. What is the main theme of the Luke chapter 15? It is uh, lost 
but now found. Lost coin, but now found. Lost ship, but now found. Lost son, but now found. Similarly, we can interpret in today's passage as lost steward, but now found. In the times of the Jesus, it was common for rich men to hire stewards. The word steward means administrator and manager like Joseph in Potiphar's household. The hierarchical social structure in the first century shows there was no middle class proper, only large population of peasants, almost 95%, and only 1% or 2% of rich owners. The social rank of the steward connected the social classes of the peasant and owners. Many stewards played different roles. Some stewards took care of their master's land or children or housekeeping works. Some stewards took care of their master's business. The steward of Luke chapter 16 seems to hold one of the most trustworthy positions among all the stewards because he was responsible for managing the deposit and withdrawal of his master's property. He could even change a contract to exercise his master's property right if he wanted to. Anyway, it has been reported to this master, his trusted, trusted the steward has wasted the master's possession. This report seems right, true, not wrongfully accused, because verse 8 call him unrighteous steward. Here the word waste in the, in the verse 1, it is the same Greek word in Luke chapter 15 and 13, when the prodigal son wasted his father's the money. It shows a parallel between the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 and the steward in Luke chapter 16. The prodigal son squandered his father's money and the steward squandered his master's money. Now the steward began to panic about his future. If he loses his current position, he will fall into a very miserable situation. He will have to rely on begging or on physical labor for survival. We can tell he did not have much savings because he squandered the money he cheated from his master's property. He did not expect his stewardship would be taken away so soon. No savings left and no time to earn another large amount of money. Also, he was physically weak. Unfamiliar with many physical labor, because he said, "I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I used to be in a position of exercising power due to the master's property, 
but my position is gone. My time is over. His helpless and desperate heart can be expressed in a sentence, what shall I do? This is the central question in the Gospel of Luke. The rich farmer in chapter 12 and the vineyard owner in chapter 20 all ask the same question, what shall I do? In this situation, the steward made a choice. This is a turning point. A similar thing happened to the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 and 17, saying he came to his senses. However, this steward did a very strange thing. From the modern perspective, he started committing the fraud. Verses 5 and 6. And he summoned each one of his master's debtors. And he began saying to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write 80. According to scholars, a hundred measures of oil were worth the 1,000 denarii, and a hundred measures of the wheat were 2,500 denarii. Because a denarius, a daily wage for a peasant, these products are equivalent to three years and eight years' wages, respectively. It is huge money. We can tell this master is not just a rich man, but a super rich man. In Jesus' parable, a super rich or king with vast wealth usually refers to God. At the time, the loan business was you know, so popular, they usually received very high interest, many times over 50%. According to the JDM Derrett, a British scholar, interest rates for the borrowed wheat in the first century went as high as 20% with an added 5% for insurance. In the case of the borrowed oil, the interest rate was 80% plus 20% insurance, cost totaling 100%. Different scholars suggested different interest rates at the time, but it is a common view. The act of this steward was related to the usury. However, the Old Testament prohibited Jews from receiving interest from their, their neighbors. Let's see the Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 19. Let me read. You are not to charge interest to your countrymen, interest on money, food, and anything that may be loaned on interest. Because the law of Moses prohibited the usury, what did people do? 
if a debtor wants to borrow 50 jugs of oil, in the bill, they have to write how much the debtor borrowed and how much interest rate they will charge. But once they wrote interest rate in the bill, it became against the Mosaic law. So they added interest to the originally borrowed money. Then in the bill, they wrote only 100 jugs. As a result, as in the, it looks like they did not charge the interest in the bill. They did not have to mention the interest rate in the loan bill because the interest already included in it. In this way, they avoided the command of Mosaic law. Then who consulted with this shrewd plan? The Pharisees and the scribes, the expert in the law, they consulted and then they got money from that. And then they cheated those overcharged interest. The Pharisees and scribes knew this common and unjust practice, but closed their eyes to it. This is how the steward accumulated his wealth. But when faced with the loss of his job, he could have prepared for his future by forcing the debtor to quickly pay off their debts and collecting the interest portion for himself. This is how he lived so far, and it has been a familiar life to him. But he made different choice this time. He called all his master's debtors and then reduced the overcharge interest, giving the debtors 50% and then 20% off. He accepted his inescapable fate of his stewardship being taken away soon. He waived interest, thinking to receiving, receive the hospitality from debtors once he's lost his position. The steward action also makes the master look like a righteous and generous man in the eyes of debtors. As a result, he restored the relationship between debtors and himself, and also between debtors and his master. For this steward, that you know, the reduction, how did his, the master respond? Let's look at verse 8. And his master praised the unrighteous steward because he acted shrewdly. Here, a Greek word, phronimos, that can mean positively wise, but also negatively shrewd. So which is it in this case? Positively, the master praised him because he acted wisely, or negatively, the master sarcastically praised him because of his shrewdness. In the New Testament, since the word meaning to praise is always used positively, so it would naturally interpret phenomenos in a positive sense. 
the master praised him because he had, had acted wisely. His master praised this steward because he saw this steward's three wise actions. First, this steward rethought his future. At first, he did a bad thing as if his stewardship would be eternal. But he now realized that the end was coming. He knew nothing secured his future. Second, he repented. He knew his wrong behavior and changed it. Third, he reconciled. He fixed the broken relationship between the debtors and his masters. The next phrase is more difficult. For the sons of this age are more wise in relation to their own kind than the sons of light. Here the title, the sons of this age, contrasts with the sons of light. That is, the sons of this age means the sons of darkness, which refers to the steward and his kind. In this context, tax collectors and sinners. Then who are the sons of light? Most scholars interpret the sons of light as followers of the Jesus or sons of God. But because this interpretation would mean people like a steward act wiser than the followers of Jesus, this, not, this does not fit the morale of this parable. I believe the sons of light seems to refer to the religious leader like a Pharisees. They were the many religious, religious groups in Jesus' time. To justify their own group, they called themselves the sons of righteousness and the sons of light, especially from the Dead Sea Scrolls. In today's text, Jesus used sarcasm to warn the Pharisees who were listening to his parables. Although you call yourself the sons of light, in preparing for eternity, sinners and tax collectors are wiser than you are. Tax collectors and prostitutes were surely sinners, but they heard the messages of the John the Baptist and Jesus, repent, the kingdom of God is near. They repented of their sins by recognizing their hopeless future and building relationship with others by spending their money for the kingdom of God, like Jacques. But the Pharisees, so-called sons of light, did not know their future was hopeless, so they did not repent. They did not bring peace by spending money for the kingdom of God because they were Money lovers. They believed money secured their future. Money became their mammon and their God. But Jesus warned, you cannot serve God and mammon. It means impossibility to serve both. Impossible to serve both. This passage does not deny the necessity of money. 
We know we need money for our daily lives. We need money to pay tuition. However, Jesus saying warns us of the potential danger of money. Money stirs people's evil heart, which causes many evil things every day. Conflicts occur between parents and children because of loving money. War breaks out between nations because of loving money. Let me confess, in my daily life, even though I say the necessity of money, but whenever whenever I look at my bank account, that necessity became compulsive force to draw me out to the slave of money. But Jesus tells us not to be slave to what disappears soon, but look to the eternal value of the kingdom of God and use money to build the right relationship with the people. Here again, it connects with Luke chapter 15. People found what they lost, coin, sheep, and son. Afterward, what did they do? They called friends and neighbors and then hosted lavishly a joyful feast for them. The value of a ship or a drachma was not much, but rather than focusing on the monetary value, Of what they found, they focused on their joy of founding, celebrating with their neighbors. This is how to spend money for the kingdom of God. After this parable, today's parable, the parable of a rich man and Lazarus appears. This parable also shows how to use money. Lazarus is a Hellenized Hebrew name, Eliezer, meaning, my God helps. But in his real life, God did not help Lazarus. But according to the principles of the Bible, it is God that sent a rich man to help Lazarus. The rich man as the Lazarus neighbor is responsible to help him out on behalf of God. The rich man had not done any evil thing to Lazarus, but he was indifferent to the poor, did not show any compassion on him, and focused only on himself. So he is not suitable for the kingdom of God. Jesus' saying is clear and resolute. You cannot serve God and mammon. Those who serve money, those who love money, do not have God in their true heart. But the Pharisees who listened to the Jesus saying laughed at it because they were money lovers. So Jesus said to them in verse 15, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the sight of people. But God knows your heart. Because that which is highly esteemed among people is detestable in the sight of God. 
justifying yourself in the sight of people, highly esteemed among people, it connects with the name they give themselves, the sons of light. Then how should we live? The answer to this question is the verses 10 through 12. That is to say, we should live faithfully and eschatologically according to the ethics of the kingdom of God. Like a steward, we have to rethink our future. Like the steward, we have to repent and change our wrong behaviors. Like this steward, we have to restore the broken relationship between us and others. We can see a series of developments from the Luke chapter 15 to 16. In Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son repented and returned. His being was changed from the prodigal son and to the father's son. But this is not the end. Today's passage tells once our being is changed, our behavior also have to be changed accordingly. The Bible never separated being and behavior. Behavior proves being, and the being provides the reasons for behavior. We call ourselves in Christian. It means we are the followers of Christ. What an honorable name it is. But if we do not behave Christ-like, we just like a Pharisees who call themselves great but empty name like uh, the sons of God, sons of light. How do we live now, my brothers and sisters? Are we living according to the ethics of the kingdom of God? Are we living with God's love? Are we living with God's compassion? Only Christians lived with this ethical standard of kingdom of God in a Roman world persecuting them. They hold the role of true light and salt. At the time, the child abandonment was very common. Let me introduce a letter where a Roman soldier sent his pregnant wife. My dear wife, by now you may have had a second child. If it is a boy, name him Marcus, please. But if it is a girl, cast her out. They were not monsters, but normal people but they felt free to throw out a child if they did not want her for whatever reason. There were no consequences or penalty, but the early Christians sternly opposed this and then even adopted abandoned children and raised them in Christ's love as God's family. They were different. They were distinct, so they could change the Roman Empire forever with God's love.
This morning, I would like to ask you the same question as the steward in Luke chapter 16 did: What shall I do? We all have to answer it. What is your choice this morning? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, through the parable of unrighteous steward, we learned today we should live faithfully and eschatologically according to the ethics of the kingdom of God. Lord, your kingdom has come upon us. We are Christians so that, Lord, let us behave like a Christian. And uh, Lord, let us repent, let us rethought our future, and then let us reconcile the broken relationship between us and others. Thank you for the passage, Lord. Thank you for this time. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.